Hey everybody, what's up? You should know who this is by now by the sound of my voice and the stereotypical tacky way that I intro shows when I record them solo. This week, I recorded an episode with Stacey Horn in regards to her book Damnation Island. Lobo was not able to make it due to some family obligations, but I'm not going to air that episode this week primarily because um, I'm just too beat. I'm tired. I've, I've had a really rough week. I've really pushed myself. And I just don't have the energy to sit down and produce a show right now, especially an interview show. I don't like throwing interview shows up there that I don't I just don't like doing shoddy production and throwing it up there and saying, hey, here's a show. OK, that's it for the week um, when I don't have to. So next week, the 29th, I am going to be taking that weekend off for a variety of reasons. And I will run the episode that I recorded tonight next week. However, for this show, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run an old episode that we ran a few years ago, episode 136. And for a lot of you new subscribers, you haven't heard it because it's one of the shows that was on the old server before we migrated. Um, this is an episode that deals with a friend of the show that we've known for a long time. His name is Tom Badhammer. That is not his actual last name. That is a gamer tag that he used when he played World of Warcraft. And this episode is about him dying. He literally died, overdosed on drugs as he was playing World of Warcraft and died while playing it. So much so that he had been dead to the point where rigor mortis had begun setting in. Um, and he had an experience and he saw a lot of really crazy stuff and it was very profound and it changed his life. And he has since recovered and he still is in recovery as every drug addict or user or alcoholic or whatever will tell you they are always in recovery. But it was it was a really heavy show. So what brought this about is Stephanie Quick, a friend of the show, listener, somebody that I've been wanting to get on here for quite some time, and we've just never gotten around to doing it. She appeared on the Alex Cast podcast number 300. Very much recommend that you go out and listen to that show because it was a great episode. And I'm going to go on record as saying I'm very jealous that she went on there and did that show and did such a good show about her personal um, near-death experience. But it's our fault. I should have got in touch with her. I should have had her on here. Whatever. It is what it is. Having said that, again, go listen to that show and then come back and listen to this show because she made reference to this episode on that show. And I thought, wow, we recorded that show a while ago. And for her to bring it up and describe it. And the other thing is I've, I've really been wanting to redrop this episode. I've just been looking for a place to drop it. At. So that was kind of the synchronicity and the impetus for me to say, all right, I'll run that show this week. I did speak with Tom via Facebook through Messenger to check up on him and let him know because we haven't talked to him in a while. And I said, hey, um, we're going to be dropping this show. You know, how are you doing? He sounds like he's doing good. He says he's uh, he's recovering very well. He's almost back up to 100%, if not at 100%. He does not look the same. He looks good. He looks like new Tom, does not look like old Tom. So, uh, you know, I'm very happy for him. I'm very proud that he's still fighting the good fight. And the last time we dropped this episode, Tom specifically wanted to record the show to A, tell his story because he had never told it. And he uh, wanted to put it out there for people that are going through and struggling with demons of their own. And we do have them out there. We know that you guys are out there. And every time we've run episodes like this, we've received feedback from people saying, hey, thanks for doing this. It meant a lot to me. It got me through. Um, it helped me out. Um, you know, it, it, that means a lot to us. And when last time we aired it, you know, we had people that said it and I told Tom, Hey, you know, these people said this and, uh, you know, you made a difference in somebody's life and that helps. So I'm going to rerun this show and, uh, I'm going to go off and hopefully get a good 12 hours of sleep because I desperately need it. Hopefully you guys that haven't heard it before, enjoy it. If you are somebody out there, again, we know you're out there that if you're going through issues and you 
are trying to fight that fight, keep fighting it. You do what you got to do, make it through, you know, because you can do what other people have. So uh, having said all that, this is Rojan. Peace out from Detroit. Listen to me. You have to consider the possibility that God does not like you, never wanted you. In all probability, he hates you. This is not the worst thing that can happen. It isn't. We don't need him. We don't I agree. I gotta go. Fuck damnation, man. Fuck redemption. We are God's unwanted children. So be it. Okay, so Listen, you can run water over your hand to make it worse, or look at me. Or you can use vinegar to neutralize the burn. Please let me have it, please. First, you have to give up. First, you have to know, not fear. Know that someday you're gonna die. You don't know how this feels. It's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. We are the wretched refuse. We're underdogs. We're mutts. We're mutants. There's something wrong with us. Something very, very wrong with us. Something seriously wrong with us. What's up, everybody? Welcome back from our, I guess it was a minor break. I don't know. Well, we were still putting out shows. I did the one with Joe, and then we did uh then I dropped a little mini episode that we did, uh, that I did. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of we there. Yeah. You were doing most of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. I guess. Well, I dug up all the old episodes of Anomalous, and I'm going to chain them together. Good. And I'm going to put a whole bunch of them out there, and then uh, I think me and you will do the opening and closing of that. I'll throw that up, because I think over the next couple of weeks – that with Christmas coming up, me and you are both going to be busy. And mm-hmm. I know me and you tagging together until after the holidays are over with is going to be kind of iffy here and there. So I'm I'm not really sure if we're going to have much new content after this episode drops until after the holidays. So I can't – I mean there's going to be new stuff in the feed. But as far as me and you getting together and putting new stuff out because I know your wife's schedule is crazy. Your schedule is crazy. Um I imagine me and you will hook over, hook up between the break between Christmas and New Year's. I'm sure. I'm already putting the bloopers episode or the outtakes episode <laughs> together. Um, not as going to be – I did have more than I thought I did. Not going to be as big of a show this year. I think it's only going to maybe be a half hour, 40 minutes long. That's what last year's was. Yeah, I think Fine. that's pretty much all it's going to be. Um, I'm sure that there's more in there that I really, really got – that I really have to dig for. But I don't – it's it's getting to be a point where there's – I don't know how far I want to dig. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> plus, I mean, does people really want to hear an hour of us mispronouncing words and, you know, just and he's on board for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got our hardcore people out there that love hearing stuff oh like that. Oh my God. They like, so, they love hearing us sound like complete idiots. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, and as some of you know, that in the Facebook page, I'm going to go into this real, real briefly here. Um, I don't know if I want to cover it on the show or whatever. Yeah, something really weird and crazy happened to me this last week. Um, I put it up on Facebook for a few hours, and then I immediately pulled it right back down as soon as I was off of work and I had the chance to pull it down. Um, And the people that are in the know know what that was. Um, I don't know if I want to go into that, into the show or not. (laughs) Now, let's Um, get this straight. This is is all true, right? I. Even yeah. the part about the lima beans and the car chase. That is up for interpretation. 
<laughs> no, I, I know what I experienced. I was, ex- I experienced something. Um, sure. I guess I'll get to it eventually. I guess you I'll will. tell the story eventually. Um, and then the, like a couple of nights later, <laughs> I went back to follow up on it and then I got a ticket. Um, and I, <laughs> math and science and stuff. Clarkston, Michigan at two 30 in the oh, morning has God. some very strange police that will pull you over. And when you say, am I being pulled over for speeding? And they say, of course not. I can't get a speed on you at this point in time with these roads. And then proceeds to give you a ticket for something really strange. And then says, well, actually, I could give you a ticket for speeding, even though I don't have a speed on you because we're trained to use math and science. And uh, no, I quote, we are trained to use math and science and stuff to be able to give you a ticket if we wanted to. I know everything that I'm saying right now is incredibly vague. But anyways, (laughs) so anyhow, moving on. We have Tom Badhammer on the show. We call him Tom Badhammer. That is not his real last name because that is how we know him through Facebook and through our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Some of you people know who he is. Um, Tom uh, has gone through a really crazy bout in his life. He's had to deal with drug addiction, drug use, and death. Um, yep. And that's why he's on the show tonight. He got a hold of us and said, hey – um, and it had a lot to do with the Gabriel Roberts episode we had too, I think, where he got in contact with me and said, Hey, uh, I died. And this is what well, happened. He, he got in contact with us after listening to the episode that you had me spill my guts on. He's like, uh, we got to get together because some weird shit happened. I yeah, died. I'm like, Whoa, wait, what? Uh, but we go into all this in this episode. This episode's mm-hmm. a really wild ride. And this is the first time Tom has ever told this story. Most people, when they come on and tell these kind of stories, they've done it a few times. Their story is polished, et cetera. This is the first time that Tom, outside of his family, has told – the family and a few close friends has actually told this story. And you know, I, I sat down with him and said, okay, well, if you want to do this, we should do it this way and we structure it. And since he's never told this story, you're going to hear a few points in the show because I know there's a few people out there that are going to, that are going to nail me on this where um, he he kind of bounces all over in a story and I'm trying to keep him on track with telling his story. So forgive me if I do that. But Tom was really nervous when he did this and he's never told this story and he told it tonight for the first time. But this is the show. Listen to it. Hear what he has to say. And uh, we'll see you guys at the other side. Bye bye. All right, folks, we're joined by Tom Badhammer tonight. That's what you go on as Facebook. So that's what we're going to keep it as. I don't know if you want your real name being tossed out there or anything. So um, I'm assuming that comes from World of Warcraft, correct? Uh, Kind of. It's a nickname I've had for a while, and I just go with it. It's been my online alias for a number of years. For Um, the Horde. (laughs) Yes, for the (laughs) Horde, of course. (laughs) So you've... um, You've been a listener of ours for a while. Have you been with us since the beginning, or, or, or I don't. Yeah, have you yeah, been with us for a while. Yeah, you're one yeah. of our you're one of our long timers. He's an OG. Anyways, Tom is with us tonight because um, you died. <laughs> There's really no yeah, right way been, to put it. <laughs> been through some uh, real life changes. Dying so, really changes your mind on things. Damn right. <laughs> I would assume so. Well. You've gone through this whole transform- transformative process. So where do you want to start at? Because I'm assuming you've told this story before. We, you are obviously in recovery now. Um, yes. 
And I'm assuming that you've sat down with groups and things like that and done what you had to do to take the stops. I don't really like the group therapy. Um, in 2004, I went to a, uh, a rehab program and I was in with the groups and I just don't like the interaction with people. And, you know, they say that once you're an addict, you're always an addict. And that's true. I fell back in. <laughs> it was a number of years later and I fell right back into place doing all my old things and just a different way about it. And so, eventually it got the best of me. How long, you know, when did you start getting high and stuff? What, what was the extent of what you were doing in your life? Um, well, where are we talking back in the beginning? <laughs> I mean, like, how, or, you know, I mean, like you've pretty much or, been a partier most of, since you're a teenager, I would assume, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, smoking weed most of my life. It would seem, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm 33 now. And, um, I think I started when I was like 14 or 15 and, um, I went right until I was 23 and then I cleaned up for a little bit and then I was back into it probably at 25 and, you know, just stopped six months ago. Okay. Um, and on top of that, there was everything else under the sun. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What was, I mean, how, how, how hardcore oh did God. you get into this stuff? I mean, were you using like pretty much every drug on the table or? Um, well, I mean, when I was in my early twenties, uh, I, I did a whole lot of Coke cause it was around and it was free. And I was, I was a DJ, you know, club DJ and I got to do a whole bunch of ecstasy cause it was around and it was free. Did a whole lot of mushrooms, did a whole lot of acid. It was it was everything that was around. Um, and then after getting cleaned up, uh, after the getting cleaned up thing, um, it was really just smoking pot for a long time. And then uh, one night I was out at a bar, and well, I was drinking too, of course. Um, but I was out at a bar, and I went in the bathroom to take a pee, and someone offered me a bump of coke, and. You know, I was right back into it. Whenever I could get it, it was going up my nose. And then when the Coke wasn't around, I started getting heroin, which I was totally afraid of. Wow. But then all of a sudden, that started going up my nose. Did you ever and, shoot the stuff, or was it purely just sniffing heroin? Well, there was one night I shot it, and that's the night everything okay. changed. All right. Because usually <laughs> and, when people yeah. say heroin, you know, they use heroin. Everybody goes right yeah, to the you classic, you know, I'm shooting it in the arm or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Well, it, that's the... That's the aspect of it that totally terrified me that I wanted to stay away from. And I never, I never really wanted to do it like that. And mm -hmm. It was offered to me to shoot it like that. I didn't even shoot myself up. Someone else shot me up. And um, then the next thing I know, I'm coming out of a dreamlike state and I'm in a hospital bed. It was the in-between, the, the state that I, it's the, the in-between that's the important part that I had my whole, I guess I can call it a vision quest. So the night that you did this, I mean, the, the night that you decided to, uh, to move I on, or I don't think you actually consciously decided to move on. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's about a month before I overdosed on heroin, uh, May 22nd, 23rd this year mm -hmm. and May 5th, May 5th, my wife left me mm -hmm. and there was a whole bunch of reasons and, uh, Basically, things had been falling apart for quite a while, and me turning to hard drugs was like my form of escape from the reality I was going through from a job that was paying the bills but wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, a marriage that I wasn't entirely happy with because there were a lot of things that could have been better about it. You know, a lot of them were my fault, some of them were hers, and, you know, it wasn't perfect. And now, <laughs> while waking up from my my coma my whole experience i came out of that with the the fuck drugs fuck the the marriage i'm over it all but 
what were you on when you actually kicked over? What 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 did what did you shoot into yourself or what happened? Because I remember you told me about it before, and I was like, wow, you know, that's that's crazy. Well, I knew that I had been I had heroin put into me, and there was some coke mixed in with it too. Speedball, and it was about yeah. There was one injection put in, and then uh, about a half hour later, another one went in. That one missed. And then another one went in right after that. So I oh actually god. got three hits. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And that and was I'd it. Been huh? Drinking. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. I, at the at the time, I was so drunk when I when I got shot up that <laughs> it was just bad decision making all around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've drunk dialed Lobo a few times, and man, it, dude, you heard nothing compared to what it was. Oh, like I used to see night, your but... Facebook stuff posts and stuff too. Yeah. I mean, it was like because yeah. I remember for a while you. you you were posting stuff regularly and stuff, and then your posts just started getting really, really crazy, and then that was it. You just kind of dropped off. we That's how we all came in contact with you through Facebook and everything. You're part of our Facebook group and stuff. I remember my wife coming in here once, and she saw a picture of you on the net, and she's <laughs> like, man, that guy's scary. I'm like, he's actually one of the sweetest people in the world. Don't let his appearance fool you. Speaking of the picture, I got a collarbone tattoo that says, dead men tell no tales, and man, I got a story to tell. That's what I think, so uh, <laughs> I've, I've been there and back, and- it's mild shit. So. You got shot up and you overdosed, and that was it. You died for the most part. I sat down and I apparently started playing World of Warcraft. It was raid night, so <laughs> I'm on I'm on WoW and I'm on I'm on my headset and I'm sitting at the at the computer desk. And apparently, I just nodded off and hit the the uh, button to talk, and my whole guild heard me snoring away. And they didn't really think of anything of it because I'd fallen asleep. I'd fallen asleep playing WoW a couple times, so like it was no big deal that I was snoring in, in that. So they just kicked me off to another channel. And then uh, the next day, my mom came looking for me. Uh, this was at 10:30 at night that I passed out, and my mom found me the next day at 5:30 in the afternoon. I was supposed to be moving back into my parents' house all day long. And she'd been so calling me all day, calling me all day. I still have voicemail messages on my phone from that day that I haven't listened to because I just don't want to. So you were out like, at 10.30 and then she went from 10.30 that night till 5 o'clock the following day. Yeah, she couldn't get into the house. My father-in-law had keys. He got into the house. They found me. He'd been in the Navy and he had seen a bunch of guys overdose on, on the ship. And for me, part of the hard part of all this is that he had to see me in that state. And I know that he's seen guys like that. And I was I was rigor mortis in the chair. I was blue and gray. I had a very faint heartbeat. From what I've heard, I'm one of two people to survive at the heart rate and the blood pressure and all the health stats that I had that survived an overdose like that. So what kept you alive then? Was it the oxygen in your system or something? Or When you actually uh, start to die, there's an enzyme release, CPK. And from what I understand of that, CPK breaks down your muscle tissue and releases oxygen. And the oxygen is what helped keep my brain alive. That's why I'm not brain dead. Because prior to this, even though I was drinking every day and doing drugs and everything, I was still going to the gym an hour, two hours, three hours a day, lifting weights, you know, hitting the treadmill, doing my thing. That's really what kept me alive. My muscle tissue. When I when I came to, you know, there's a whole lot to that. But uh, I lost a lot of muscle mass. That's really what kept me alive. Seems like a pretty good trade-off to me. Yeah. Good thing is muscle mass can be rebuilt. I've already, already been putting it all back on. So Nice. So at that point, you you passed out. Your mom and dad found you, and you were, for the most part, barely alive. Did you actually sign out and punch out at any point? Did you actually die? They did hit me up with a whole bunch of adrenaline, get me back. They, I was in a coma for three days. It was that period where... 
there was like this whole it was like I came to and I started to see I started to see my my life play out in every minor decision that had led me to the point where I am now I was seeing different choices I could have made and how they all played out of it like one point spreading out and then those points spreading out and then those points spreading out and how they all intertwine and it was basically like this big logic puzzle or a logic uh, logic diagram that spiraled out into a giant um, spiral staircase kind of thing almost and I was seeing like infinite things pop- popping off of popping off of all of these so it was like infinite lifetimes playing out in front of me so you're seeing and your life as fractal scenes for the most part it was like i'd see a scene play out and then a, a different version of that scene play out and a different version of that scene play out and then it was like choose your own adventure almost like i it, all these things would happen and it's like all right well i went down you know i opened door b or something and here i am and okay what's going to happen next all right i'm going this way so was it like watching a back, movie or were like, you physically in it yeah there was no sense of physical and it wasn't like from the outside it was pretty much like first person seeing things but i had no sense of like this is my physical body and i'm actually doing this it was more like a movie in that sense but it became really trippy to see all these different things playing out because it was almost like a um Oh my god, it was it was like seeing all these different options happen and things I could have done better. Yeah, because I'm trying to I mean the vision that comes in my head is the scene in the Matrix where he's standing there and he's looking at all the TV monitors and all of the different aspects of Neo's life are happening, all of the choices that he's made from the past yeah. there. But that's how I'm conceptualizing because I can't conceptualize what you're saying for the most part. It's hard for me to put that into a visual sense to to be, I understand what you're saying, but I'm having a hard time visualizing. Best buys. What? It's like standing in Best Buys when all the television sets are on. Yeah, but think of uh, television sets as far as you can see, and inside every television set, there's television sets as far as you can see, and inside those, and it just goes on and on and on. (laughs) And yet you're able to see all of them. Yeah. And then this this kind of fades into me seeing individually, I'm seeing people I know, and they're receiving news that I've died. And it's seeing their reaction, and it's like scene by scene by scene by scene of everyone I know, and how they react and how they handle it. It's freaking awesome. And then no, it's not. Yeah, it, it so is. It so is. Then, it's not awesome. Then that, then that kind of plays out, and all of a sudden, my point of view goes from like the scene that I'm seeing to all of a sudden I'm being ripped out, and I'm seeing upward. I'm being ripped upward uh, from that location and I'm seeing, you know, the ground and then seeing, you know, the, the state and the continent and, you know, the planet basically. And then I'm out in space and it just keeps going and going and going. And Earth is just this tiny point of light and uh, it expands and expands and expands and then it collapses down and there's just white. So did, and this you happened say a couple that you times. Had the stereotypical light at the end of the tunnel experience? Was that what you were experiencing? I wouldn't, 
No, no, I, it, it wasn't like the stereotypical light at the end of the tunnel. I was, I was kind of at that point. I was kind of like wondering if that was going to happen, but no, I wasn't. Where's that Jesus? At all. I, was, I was watching. I was watching space like expand and contract, and I, I walked away from that with a real. The overall message of this was like nothing is permanent. Like nothing is even infinite within the infinite of space. Like nothing is permanent, and. I took a real personal meaning in that because all this came about with my marriage, what I wanted to have last for forever. And I had to just accept that nothing is, nothing is permanent. Nothing lasts forever. Deal with it. I have to ask you all of the stereotypical questions because your experience is not stereotypical. (laughs) So you didn't see any dead relatives. Did you, you didn't have any voices or any confrontations with any kinds of beings or anything like that. Did you ever feel that you were offered a choice? I, I never felt like I was offered a choice and I never saw any dead relatives or, you know, I get the only voice I may have heard was, um, my own. Oh, oh my God. Wait a second. Yes, there was, I forgot. Um, <laughs> there's not the stereotypical voice. There was, a. Oh, it's a hard way to describe it. There's this character that I've seen in my dreams and I've painted him. Um, it's like See, a Japanese you. demon. Yeah, um, it's an oni is the best mm-hmm. way to describe it. It's uh, half of his face is smiling, half of it's frowning, and he's got horns and a third eye in the middle of his head, and he dresses in you know stereotypical kimono kind of thing, orange skin. Um, I've painted him a whole bunch. It's been a character that I've seen throughout dreams my entire life, and uh, after this whole thing is played out, and I've seen space expand and contract, I'm just in a plane of black, and see this figure kind of appear in this and he's just saying rise 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 and sick yeah and it's like almost the sound probably it was probably like the beat of my heart at that point that it was just saying rise rise was this when you were coming out of it or was this when you were leaving this was as this was as i was coming out of coma all of a sudden from from the black i felt i felt the worst pain i've ever felt oh my god like the pain in all this was ridiculous. And it was like, I, I think I fell back into my body at that point. And I rolled over, my, my head rolled over, and I opened my eyes, and I saw my one cousin on my one side. I'm an only child, so my cousins, my cousins live across the street from me. They're like my best friends. We go to the gym all the time. We're the closest thing to brothers. I look over, I see my one cousin. I roll my head over the other way, and I see my other cousin. And at that point, I realize I'm in a hospital bed, and what I've done and I've, I'm letting everyone down and there's just like this overwhelming feeling of just like sadness that here I am and that I caused this and like the vision of the pain, the pain that I caused everyone and dying, it's just as bad because of what I've done and that I'm here. How long were you in the hospital for before you came to? uh, Three or four days at that point. Think it, I think at that point it was four days from the initial overdose. I ended up being in the hospital for a total of a month. Oof. And I went from, um, at the point I woke up, I could only move my right arm and my head. <laughs> it was when I realized that I couldn't feel my legs. And when I tried to move my left arm, I grabbed it with my right arm and lifted it up and it just flopped down like dead weight. That I know that. I've, I've, yeah, I had surgery earlier this year. I know what that feels like. It's bizarre. That's <laughs> such a, such a weird feeling. It is. And, uh, I ended up having ended up having really really bad nerve damage as a result of uh, the overdose, the oxygen uh, deprivation that I did have. Right now, um, I'm still still getting back into the 
<laughs> back on my feet, so to speak. Um, I walk with a cane sometimes, but uh, I started out not being able to sit up at all. I had to learn how to stand with a walker with no sensation in my legs. Ugh. Well, yeah. you were there, and you said you've seen all these scenes of your life taking place before your eyes. Was this a past, present, future kind of thing? Is this like the ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future? You got to see where you were, where you were at, and where you were going, or where th- you're possibly th- going? Think, yeah, I think the only thing with the future is the possible future of the if I had died at that point. And from that, I kind of came up with an idea of like, what if I really did die, and this life that I'm living now is an alternate timeline of that infinite possibilities, and uh, I'm here for a reason. When did when you were there? Did you ever feel like you were giving a choice, given a choice of what you could do, or these choices were just presented to you as possibilities? The choices that I saw were all choices that I had already made. There was not no choices beyond that. So it's the classic saying of "This is your life flashing before your eyes." Then yeah, it really was the life flashing before your eyes, my eyes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it happens, and. I, I've said that dying is the most painful thing that could happen. I was going to say, you you said I, you experienced pain, but that was yeah, when, was that why you were there or was it when you came I, back? I think I don't think dying is actually painful because I don't remember that. Um, coming back is painful. Com- coming back is painful. It's the when you realize you have a body again, all of a sudden all, all the nerves are firing. Even if you can't feel those nerves, they hurt because <laughs> I could only I could really only feel my right arm. But, oh, my my whole body was suddenly on fire. It's nerve, awesome. yeah. Such, I mean, and it's such a human intense, body is amazing. It's so amazing. Like as I've been learning to walk again, um, I have way more um, respect for the for the human body. Right. Uh, <laughs> I like. I don't have full mobility in my left foot right now, and part of what I have to do is uh, constantly flex it because I have downward motion, but not no upward motion. And my downward motion on my foot is not so good. But I can feel every single muscle in in the calf that causes that that flexing motion, and it's, right. it's given me a lot more respect for the human body generally. That's got to throw you for a loop, huh? Yeah. yeah. Now I need to ask you the ultimate question: Do you actually feel that you went somewhere, or do you feel that this was just chemical reactions that were happening in your brain? I've gone over this a whole bunch, and I I thought about it, and I I've talked with my dad about it because when I came, when I came out of it, I was like. I explained the whole situation. I explained it to my dad. I explained it to my cousins. I explained it to so many people just to tell my story and be like, what is this? What just happened? My dad said it could kind of go either way. Like he felt like because of the the medication they had me on, it could have been like a drug induced trip almost. It was way too intense to be anything like that. Like that was, that was real. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that was real. I don't know if it was actually going somewhere as in a physical location because it kind of made me feel the consciousness. It goes in the consciousness, really. And I don't think consciousness is located within the body, I think. Because going back to the timeline of events, I don't think that there was a time that I was gone. I think that time is not at all what we see it. I think time is more of like a, a construct of the of the physical vessel. And that returning to my body, I had to go back to the the understanding of time being linear, but while I was out there seeing things and seeing the infinite possibilities because seeing all the different lines that things could go, that definitely seemed nonlinear. Have you ever had to struggle with these concepts before? This, I've wondered about it because I've had some philosophical thoughts in the past, but having seen what I saw, <laughs> it kind of affirmed that option to me, that idea. 
I don't know. It's just, <sighs> it's a really heavy thing to, to actually experience. And like, for me, it sounds very terrifying to have all of this stuff thrust at you at one point. It's like being on a ride that you have no control over for the most part. You're yeah. just there and you have to go through it. Yeah. Um, to try to process all of it, that much stuff at one point going through your brain, it's it's it sounds like I get the I get the feeling that it's something that a physical, an actual living brain or consciousness, living consciousness, could not properly um, process. I think it it took a an elevation almost, like leaving leaving the body is what it takes to be able to see things like that and to be able to see more than what we have now. You were you were able to comprehend it while you were there, I'm assuming, correct? Or were you not yeah. having an easier time comprehending it? My my vision, I was comprehending as it was happening. And when I came out of it, it was kind of just a, wow. Like, there's no... You were able to bring that comprehension back I, with you, I obviously. was able to come back with it and try to wrap my mind around it. And it took me took me like two or three days before I was even able to talk about it with anyone because it was more of I'm alive. This happened. Wow. <laughs> Just processing it mentally. And then the amount of pain I was in and it wasn't until my cousins showed up. I think it was were the first people I talked to it about. One of my cousins actually worked at the hospital and I told him about it and he's, He's a little more religious than me, and telling him the story, he was like, "You had a God experience, you know. You saw." Yeah, but you this doesn't the... fit into a Judeo-Christian concept. Yeah. You never met God. You never. Yeah, I mean, that's why I asked you. Did you? That's have... in your definition of God, though. That's, yeah. yeah, I was just about to say, Lobo. How does this trigger with you and your experience? I didn't. I didn't see God. No, I know you didn't see God, but how much <laughs> of what he's saying to you? Because your experience was something almost completely different. I mean, you more or less went through three levels of hell. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, but my three levels of hell are, are are a perspective on what you deem as hell, though. Tom doesn't sound like he went through any kind of hell or anything like that. He sounds like Tom's a good person, though. <laughs> well, let's not get into this. <laughs> let's not go this route. I mean, because your experience is much, much different than what Tom had. But every from what we've read, the whole concept of I was going through a light, I saw a light in the tunnel, I saw relatives and stuff like that, that doesn't seem like it actually happens as much as what's put out there. That's just the popular concept that's grabbed onto. I think I think that's the concept you hear more of. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to hear all the different possibilities that would other people see. And I feel like mine is just another aspect of what, what can happen. It was almost like there was a morality lesson to be learned on like I like I said, mine was kind of coming out of it being like, okay, I'm over the situation of the divorce. I'm over my drug use. Like I came out of it and I had made the decision. I was done with that shit. It it was just so intense. It, it really was life changing. It made me like instantly. I'm more compassionate for everyone I meet. I've I've become so much more empathetic for people. Like I, if someone's going through something, I suddenly I'm feeling what they're feeling. And it's like so intense. I have, I have a, I never had a good time dealing with emotions, but now I have to perceive other people's emotions. And uh, like, and therein lies the rub, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and and dealing with the emotions of going through a divorce and feeling the rejection, and then feeling like I disappointed everyone with what I've done, and and part of the part of the divorce is that I'm 33 and I've moved back in with my parents, and I'm having to learn how to walk again, and. Uh, initially I was in a wheelchair and then I was in a walker and then it was a cane and suddenly See, I'm a long, long time ago when mm -hmm. I was a newcomer, 
I had an old timer tell me that if you do not want to become humble, you will be humiliated. Yes. And I had no idea what he meant until I was humiliated. Honestly, the most humbling experience is not being able to move and and having to shit in a, a bedpan and have someone else wipe your ass for you and then apologizing to them and them saying, this is my job, this is what I get paid for. And I went through that for weeks before I could do anything. Well, initially, uh, there was like two days of that. At this point, I couldn't even sit up. There was like two days of that. They were trying to get me to walk in a walker. And I was done with it. I was done with being stuck in a hospital bed, not being able to feel most of my body. Like I wanted that to be done with. Physically, I wasn't over for it. But I demanded, I demanded to stand. I demanded to walk to the bathroom. They wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. They let me use a uh, commode. So they put a commode on the other side of the room. And I took about two steps, and I fell down, and I crushed the, uh, well, the other side of the room. They, they put it like a couple of feet away from me. Well, I ended up crushing the commode. <laughs> I, I crushed the commode. I'm a big guy. Uh, yeah. I, I crushed the commode. I crushed some other piece of equipment. And all of a sudden, I'm terrified because I felt like I had, I couldn't feel anything, but I felt like I probably had um, a piece of medical equipment lodged in my ass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then there's Brutal. a bit of, then there's a bit of panic, and I'm wearing one of those embarrassing hospital gowns. So, oh. and I and I had a I had a catheter in. So I'm See, attached to a does, hose, and I've fallen at an uncomfortable that part angle. Didn't bother me at all. Oh, yeah. coming, having that thing come out was the bad. No, it didn't, oh, that didn't oh, bother me in the least bit. That didn't bother me in the oh least. Oh my god! Bit. It hurt more going in than coming out. I'm glad I don't, I don't. I'm glad I don't remember it going in. When I noticed that I had catheter and I, I had a piercing, and I was like, "How the oh, hell did I get this thing in?" With well, they, ended, they took they took that barbell out. But oh, Tom. <laughs> skill. That's how they did it. Oh my god! Oh, I, I, right. So going back to the humble thing, I felt bad for every single person that had to deal with me. Well, uh, I had the I had the best doctor. Um, oh, in part of my whole experience, I had really bad kidney failure. I was going through complete fear that I was going to have to get my kidneys replaced. Um, part of kidney failure is that you retain water. I blew up nine. I blew up ninety pounds in the hospital. Ooh, ooh. Renal failure um, sucks. Yeah, <laughs> renal failure is the worst. Um, you're normally on. I think it's a one to six scale. One being everything's working. Six being you need to get that shit taken out and new stuff putting in uh, i would i capped out at a 22 i think and oh, shit. yeah then it just started to fall back down and just as she predicted like my doctor um she was amazing uh apparently she dealt with this before and all the nurses and all the doctors i i spoke with they all kept telling me how lucky i am that you know they would tell me how many people had died that week of a heroin overdose at that hospital and, you ain't supposed to be dead, man. No, I'm here for a reason. That's right. I really feel that my reason is to stop other people from making that decision on life. Like run with that. Yeah. I was told I was told also early is because I you know, when I first got clean, I shared the same sentiment. You know, I should be dead. I should be yeah. dead. And and one of the old timers that I still talk to who's still clean, he's got like thirty five years clean now. He's like, you know what? Even if the only reason why you're still alive is so that one day someone walks through the door and you smile at them and it keeps yeah. them clean, that's enough. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I can go with that. 
There's plenty of food to eat on the way through. <laughs> is this what happens when you die? This is what happens when you die. That is what happens when he dies. And that is what happens when they die. It's all very personal. And I'll tell you something. If I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have had my little accident. <laughs> Hey, Archivist, this is Raj. You hear that sound in the background? That's some bacon cooking on my stove. I was calling because I just finished listening to the latest episode. And I have to say, it was quite enjoyable. I really uh, liked everything that you guys had to talk about. Rojan, there were no discernible Skype problems that I could hear. Maybe I wasn't paying attention because I was enjoying the conversation so much. And Lobo, you are some kind of guru. Just accept it. Peace! Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives, as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free. Hey, congratulations. You're already listening to one of the best podcasts on the internet, Project Archivist, with Rojan and Lobo, a couple of guys I've known for a long time. They put on a great show, and so do I. It's called Sword and Scale, and it deals with true crime, horrible things that have happened in this world that we live in, with real people that live amongst us. In fact, what we say on the show is that the worst monsters are real. And I think if you listen to some of our stories, you too will agree. So head on over to swordandscale.com after the episode and give us a listen. And now, back to the show. Part of my uh, uh, compassion for other people is that I, re- I just try to be nice to everyone I meet. And like you said, I have this scary outward appearance. I try to like... Yeah, but you're really not Yeah, but you're scary not scary, scary though. That's I, the thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I try to change... I, I try to change people's opinion on the large, heavily tattooed individual. You know, like the a slightly scary looking dude could possibly, be a, real nice guy. <laughs> could possibly be a really nice guy. You, you know, what's funny is I have biker friends that look like they would destroy you in an alleyway and they're not, I mean, you actually talk to these people and they're not like that at all. They look terrifying. Everybody, when I was growing up, everybody that I knew was bigger than me. I knew a bunch of bikers. There's a couple of gangs out here that I'm friends with people that are in, in on both sides, on all sides. And I grew up with people that were tatted up, the people that I was afraid of were people from my own race. <laughs> the other little short Ricans that had bent tempers like me and had knives as well. Those were the ones I was afraid of because I knew what I was capable of. <laughs> so, <clears throat> all right. Well, I got a couple of more questions for yeah, you. So we're going to backtrack a little bit more. When you were yeah. going through and you were seeing the effect that your death had on everybody in the present tense or in the future tense, I guess, I'm not sure I- – were you able to feel what other people were feeling? Were you able yeah, to experience that, what they were? That with- was that was the worst part about it. Was I was being bombarded with the the emotion of like the loss that all these people were feeling, the the sadness, the 
the disgust, you know, everything, the disappointment. Disappointment was the hardest one to feel, you know, and that's just, it was, that was really intense and it was really lasting. Like I came out of that when I woke up, I was still feeling, that's why I felt so much disappointment. Seeing, seeing my cousin being alive and seeing my family, seeing my parents and seeing. Of all the things that you felt when you were there, the emotional experience of feeling what other people's felt is what stuck with you the hardest then you'd say. That and, um, that nothing is forever. That you got to make what you can of, of this, this life and live it as good as possible. Because, what I was seeing of space expanding and contracting, it, I, I felt like that was almost like the universe has a pulse. And that time being maybe just a moment. Time's really hard to explain when you get into it like that. But this lifetime could be just an instant in all that. And uh, you got to make it as good as you can because it's all based on emotion. Emotion's the strongest thing that you can carry. Did you ever get the sense of after you're done here, there's something else to move on to? Were you ever given that glimpse? I, no, I didn't see anything like that. Thank you. I'm, I, I don't, I, I don't want to sound trite and I don't want to sound like a dickhead. No, not you. I do. Lova, I think you're right. We've talked about the, uh, the figure I saw that was saying rise and that I've seen you know, in my dreams and things. I, yeah, I think it's I, the I other side of you. It's like the other side of me because it's something I've, I've seen throughout, throughout my life, throughout dreams and having some sort of connection with and just having it described as, my, as me, my other part of me, just makes sense. See, that's why what, the other part of me, it, and, and it's for me, it, it's, it's reaffirming at times and other times it's just a pain in the ass. But my uh, last week... It was either last week or the week before. My my middle child, my seven-year-old, had crawled into bed. And I was asleep. And she apparently tried to wake me up. And I was in contact with my other side, my other half. And I came up snarling and scared the <laughs> shit out of her. And she so what tried you're saying to, is you can't get along with yourself. Yeah. I have a really hard time getting along with myself. But the other side of me also has some really important information that I need to pay attention to because the other side of me is what kept me out of a lot of trouble that I used to get into while I was getting in trouble. That was the side of me that was saying, you know, you don't want to do that. You probably don't want to do that. This side of me, the rational side or the quote unquote rational side that everybody sees is the bad side. (laughs) See, you say that so much and that's, see, that's, that's why I always not to go off of a track here, but I always say to you that people are afraid of you and you're like, why are people afraid of me? And I'm like that reason right there for saying that you say like that, but I'm, this is me. This is, you're not going to get the others. This is me. Either you take it this way or you're not going to get the other. I can only get in contact with mine in altered states and sleep. I totally agree with that. That's where I'm at with that too. So Tom, where you're at now, do you feel you're more of the person that was trying to pull you out of this or, I mean, you're obviously not what you were before by a long shot. No, no. I'm just really disappointed with who I was before. There were a lot of bad choices that led me to where I am now, and I, I just don't have time in my life to make those disappointment or make more of those bad choices. Uh, at this point, it's, it's got to change. And physically, I can't go back to where I was. I can't go back to that life. You've it, already yeah. taken those steps. Does and the butterfly look back at the caterpillar with disgust? No. <laughs> hope not at least that's but a damn good way to put that that is a good way to put that <laughs> that's an excellent way to put that 
Sorry. Oh, no, there's nothing to be. That's, that's wonderful. That's, <laughs> that is wonderful, though. He's writing it down right now. He's like, we're going to hear him in another interview sometime, and he's going to say that. And you're like, that fucker, he took it from me. <laughs> um, how about religious views and implications? Do you have any religious views that are different than you had before? Do you... Um, not really. I was. I was. You still don't Catholic. believe in a high. Do you believe in a higher power, or did you believe in a higher power before? That's where it gets interesting. I was. I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic high school. My family's pretty religious, and I. I have a big thing for religious icon or iconography. Like I. Lo- I love religious images. I have the Virgin Mary tattooed on my arm, Virgin of Guadalupe, and that's what's on my grandparents' tombstone or my parents' tombstone. And it's just because well, my mom's a Spanish teacher, and I'm real into that aspect of the culture. Not so big into actually being religious like i i went to church with my mom one day because we were trying to meet the priest who gave me my last rites oh that's the important thing in all this was i had my we'll get there <laughs> i was trying to i was trying to meet the priest who uh took away all my sins and was sending me off to the great hereafter and uh went to the, the mass with my mom and it wasn't the priest so you know still did still did the whole mass thing have you met that um, priest since then or no i i haven't i still need to still need to get up to that church to meet him uh, it's not in the not in the area where my parents live, but um, and I'm living with them. But uh, I'm not super religious. Like I've participated in religious events with lots of people of lots of different faiths. I dated a Jehovah Witness girl at one wow. point. Um, she got she got kicked out of. Yeah, I know you understand this one. She got she <laughs> she got she got kicked out of uh, her parents' house for dating me. We were 18 and did what we could to make things work, and that ended up falling apart. And I think she ended up making peace with her parents uh, i don't know how that goes but she was kicked out of the church and everything for dating you know this heathen um <clears throat> living in sin and all that um i've you know <laughs> been, been around people of every every race and religion and you know i just see it as a really it just comes down to you have to live a good life and be a good person that's what it was before all this and then coming out of this it's like wow you really do have to be a good person like treat everyone with respect and i think part of it too was like i didn't have a good understanding of the divorce and like why someone would want to leave me like but coming out of it i was just like well you know i did all these things you know there's all these reasons why this isn't going to work and uh yeah i respect your decision and uh prior to that it was you know oh woe is me this is terrible obviously you had addiction problems is there one specific drug that you were hooked uh, onto? oh my god i, I smoked weed uh, I woke up and I'd smoke weed and I'd. I mean, smoke. heavier than weed though. I mean, <laughs> not really. Like, I. See, that's I dr- the problem. That's the problem. It doesn't need to be anything heavier than that. Yeah. That's the disease of more. <laughs> that exactly. That's what I've always said. I'm addicted to. I'm addicted to more. I'm addicted. If it yep. was, you know, playing video games, I'd get deep into it. If I was watching sci-fi movies or reading reading a series of books, I'd plow through that entire series of books. Damn right. Just, Anything um, worth doing is worth overdoing. Yeah, exactly. If you're gonna, <laughs> as long as it's not physically hurtive, you know, destructive. It doesn't matter. You, it's in every aspect of your life. <laughs> you take the drugs out. Uh, and just every I mean, aspect. if you play World of Warcraft, I know where you're going with yeah. that because well, the, I was pretty the, hooked on World of Warcraft myself, the, as, as are most of the people that yeah. are listening to this. The quote Talladega Nights, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> 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 wow. Wow. All right, so you came out of it. You have you met any of the people that you saw while you were wherever you were, and you felt what they felt? 
Have you confronted any of those people yet outside of your immediate family at the time and said, listen, this is what happened to me. This is what I felt. All all of my friends, everyone that my friends that I've had contact with since then, I've told them about the experience and, you know, them seeing, seeing their reaction of me die. And I know how worried, you know, they all were. What was, what has been the reaction you've gotten so far? People are just happy to have me here. Um, I've had a couple of people say they were really disappointed in me. And I understand that. I understand the disappointment because I saw it. Um, I feel that disappointment. Are they, I mean, do they, do they, do they think you're crazy when you try to tell them the story of what happened to you? Has everybody been warm and accepting to it or have you run into resistance? People, people have been pretty accepting of it. You know, only a few people have said, oh, you know, that was probably just whatever they had you on or your brain understanding things. But for the most part, like all of my cousins have said, you experienced that. You know, a lot of my friends have said, well, that was an experience that happened to you. It was an experience, regardless of regardless of if it was drug induced or f- physio or physiologically happening, or if it really was the consciousness leaving and perceiving these things. I walked away with it with an experience. I don't kind of don't care how it came about. I exactly. understood it exactly. At the end of the day, it's your at experience. The the, at the end of the day, it happened. Like yep, you have to you kind of have to choose what your reality is, and that happened in my reality. As of this week, I understand exactly what you're saying right now. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go into great because detail. Because of math and science and stuff. Because of math and science and stuff. stuff. Yeah, I don't want to go into great detail. And about magnets, that. how do they work? But I now I know exactly the thought process of what you're saying right now. Yeah. I understand it completely. Good, good. Um, one of those things that you have for for someone to understand this, they have to have gone through something really intense. Yeah. Life changing. The pizza. Yeah. If you've ever tasted last, pizza, exactly. they okay. don't talk yeah. about the pizza. We had a yes. guest on recently, and that was how he compared it. It was like I was trying to describe pizza to somebody who's never had pizza before. Was that? I'm, I'm trying to remember. Gabriel. Yes, yes. I, I, that episode was great, and you had me all fired up to get on and talk with you guys. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> you've gone through this process. Obviously, you've, you've gone through the, the cleansing fire of death or whatever you want to call it. And you're now here, and you but, sound astronomically different. I can just feel a difference in you, even from when I knew you from before. Yeah, I feel like I'm 100% better than I ever could have been living that life that I had before. I I know that I've got a long way to go. Every day is part of the struggle to to be a better person than I ever was, and every day I'm I'm working hard to just live life and be a good person. Um, I, w- I want to change other people's lives. I want to, uh, I really want to speak to kids because heroin is on the rise and it's, it's everywhere. Um, having heard while I was in the hospital how many people had died that week in the hospital because of, the, because of it. It's in, I'm not in a huge, heavily populated area. Like It was a small city, the Geneva, New York, tiny place. And the staff of that hospital saved my life. And that week, other people died there of the same reason. And... You know, one was a one was a pregnant girl, and it's oh. mind blowing that her bad decision took the life of a baby that could have had an amazing life. And that kind of goes into the infinite possibilities thing. What would that kid have done with their life? You know, like if I save one person's life, if I change one person's mind about even if it's drinking and driving, if if I if by me saying, hey, you know, you got to change your life and 
think about what you're about to do. If that stops them from getting in the car and possibly killing themselves or killing someone else's life, I just hope I can do something, you know, like, yeah, but you have to find the people that want to make that change though. Yeah. Yeah. You will. That's, you can talk to a hundred people in a room. If, if you touch one, one person, person, it's worth it. Yeah. I I'm actually right now in the process of, uh, I'm talking with the local police departments about going to schools and, cool. uh, yeah, I really want to get around to all the schools in the area and talk to people. I'm in a outpatient rehab therapy and, uh, my therapist there, she's really uh, pushing for me to do public speaking of some sort, which would be fantastic. I need Good. to get myself a little better. Well, here's your first step it. right here. Yeah, this is my first step. <laughs> I, I was, I was super, I was telling her about this and I was super pumped to be able to get my message out and say, this is what I've experienced and this is where I am and this is where I'm going. And where right. I'm going is hopefully changing people's lives for the better. See, now on our show, you'll literally reach dozens. <laughs> and, I, and I know many of them. There are four people that you're going to affect right now. <laughs> no, you'd be surprised, man. You'd be. We get emails from people after the shows that we do that have to that touch on addiction and spirituality. So I mean, yeah, I really hope so. If I am, I'd love to get some feedback from people. I'm on Facebook, Tom Badhammer. I'm in like I'm in the Facebook group for Project Archivist. I'm on, I'm posting on there quite often. You guys well, you got a blog now too, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've got my blog, uh, Stronger Future. Yeah, StrongerFuture.wordpress.com. And it's relatively new. It's got a you few are posts. like the Henry Rollins of it's got recovery. Some good stuff, though. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I've, you are like the Henry Rollins of recovery. You are I, like. I love that comparison. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're like, screw you. <laughs> I'm doing this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, well, like, and hell be damned, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, like while I was in the hospital, all the nurses were telling my parents, oh, you know, he's going to be an addict forever. He's, you know. Once you touch heroin, you're on it for good. That's usually the case, man. I mean, most and people, that's a heavy trip to take. Most people don't come back from that trip. It's like cigarettes, you know? I mean, it's that's a battle. But the thing is, that's why I was asking, I asked you one time when you, before we were setting all this up, I was like, did you have to go through any of the withdrawals or anything like that? And you said you didn't have to, but. Speaking of cigarettes, and I, I smoked for years. Yeah. I smoked for probably, you know, eight years or so when I was younger. And one day I put down, I had half a pack of cigarettes. I said, I'm not, I set the half pack of cigarettes down on my dresser and I told myself I was done with them. And then, you know, a month later I was cleaning my room, just picking up all the stuff. And I was like, oh, the cigarettes are still there. And I threw them out. And uh, I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. And I haven't touched them since. And that was 11 years ago. Now, the people that so. used to get high with and stuff, how are, how were you dealing with them and how are they dealing with you? Yeah, I've walked away from a lot of my former friends that I, you know, that I got high with. I smoked a lot of pot with a lot of people. A lot of them have made contact with me, respect me for my decision to stay clean. You know, we'll still be friends. A lot of them were only there because of the partying life that I was living, and they're they're gone. So it's probably for the better. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely for the better. <laughs> probably for the better. Probably for if the I pull better. this nail out of my forehead. It's, it's probably, probably not going to hurt yeah, anymore. It's probably not going to hurt anymore. Getting the catheter out was probably a good thing. Oh, shut up! You know, I felt so bad. This this nineteen year old looking nurse, like fresh into nursing, comes in tiny little girl. Was she hot? Yeah, kind of. And I'm kind of the. <laughs> The kind of girl you don't want to have to say, hey, I've got this thing in here and you're going to take it out. And uh, and I was terrified of it coming out. Oh, <laughs> oh, 
and so, so you had to pay for all of it in all of the ways. <laughs> and it's held, it's held in with um, balloon. a balloon full of liquids of some sort. And they pump it out with a syringe-looking thing. And so the first one comes out, and I'm like, oh, my God. Well, it's held in with two of these. So she pulls out the second thing of the liquid and then gives me a countdown and says there's going to might be some drippage and hands me a towel <laughs> pulls in the whole time. I'm just, oh, it, it's, it was like the scene in total recall when they went out on the surface of Mars. Did that was my reaction. Number? I was like, Oh, <laughs> did you get her number at least? Or? <laughs> no, <laughs> life changing. Oh. Life changing. Yeah. That, after that, you don't want someone to ever see you again. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> You're going to run into her at the mall and she's going to yeah. be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you were that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember it, me it, and you? I pulled that thing out of your dick. Yeah. You know, at, at that Some point, drip towel. <laughs> at that point, I could barely walk with, with a walker. Right. And I was using um, a handheld urinal thing. Ugh. And I hated that so much. So I'd, I would force myself to get up and walk to the bathroom. And I, because I, uh, to put it simply, I wanted to be so manly that I still peed standing up. That's so, <laughs> so that was part of my whole motivation to walk was I had to walk myself to the bathroom. All right. How long ago did this happen now? How many months has uh, it been? This happened in May and in, in throughout June I was in the hospital walking. Because I know you're at the gym and stuff. That's a, that's a pretty yeah. heavy way to go. I mean, you're back He's at the gym. He's a gym rat. He'll never leave the yeah, gym. Yeah, I'll never yeah, leave the gym. Yeah, but still, dude. I mean, you don't – that's um, – you had muscle damage. You had rigor mortis setting in to give you muscle damage. You had nerve damage. I, st- I still have a lot of nerve damage. Actually, I got I got a lot of my nerve damage in my hand back from playing video games. I had no control of my left hand when I got out of the hospital. Uh, See? I ver- Look, I video games little, don't hurt. <laughs> uh, I, I – had a really hard time typing with my left hand. I was trying to play WoW. I couldn't hit the space bar with my thumb because uh, it hurt so much because of the nerves. Um, mm-hmm. So I got myself on Xbox and I was playing some Halo and I was just playing by myself, playing a solo campaign, trying to walk, trying to walk Master Chief around and getting my left hand to move and then being like, oh, why did he stop walking? Look down, my thumb had fallen off the, the joystick. And it was little by little building up the understanding of you just found a way yeah and i was forcing myself to get back into using it um i lost so much strength in my left arm that um my cousins came over with six pound weights i couldn't even curl six pounds with my left arm oh man um before that i was cur- i was hammer curling 70s Oof. so to give you an idea of where the strength loss was and right now That's i'm amazing i'm you know, a couple months into this, and I'm in the gym as often as possible, and I have weights here in my room, and I lift I lift weights every day in my room, but I'm in the gym, you know, three times a week or so, mm-hmm. um, and I'm back to curling sixty pounds, which is nice. You know, you just will not stop, and I I won't stop. Um, initially, to find my balance to stand, because um, I was still using a cane to get around the gym, I would go into the, the room where the heavy bag was and i'd set my cane down and i'd edge my way over limping along baby stepping towards the heavy bag the heavy bag is one that floats on it's on a water weight and mm-hmm. it can slide around the room and i would hit it i'd do combos i'd move it i'd move it a little and i'd walk with it and it was the the motion of hitting a heavy bag and having it swing back at you and having the bob and weave and bob and weave to not get hit in the face with the bag 
and still walk with it as it moves. And I would do that 15, 20 minutes straight, and then I'd go lift weights. And the feeling I got from that was amazing. That was starting to get back into normal as far as walking goes. Nice. Um, I have I have to wear a large, uncomfortable leg brace because uh, I have ankle drop now in my left mm-hmm. foot, um, which basically means that my foot flops around. I right. don't have, doesn't have the muscles. Like I was saying, I don't, I don't have the upward motion. Uh, right. I use resistance bands constantly. Um, uh, actually for about half this interview, I've been using a resistance band <laughs> to, uh, flex my, <laughs> flex my left foot. But, uh, yeah, I, it's just trying to get back into things. Will you um, get your foot back? Will all that, will all that come back eventually? They didn't expect me to get as far as I've already come. Badass. <laughs> they didn't expect, uh, <laughs> Can't stop the human machine. Uh, yeah, when I when I was in physical therapy, um, I initially started and I um, I would use these parallel bars, and they set me up in the parallel bars, which I needed to actually stand. Mm-hmm. And they would have me let go with nothing to hold on to, and they'd count my balance. And the first day, I made it three seconds, I think it was, and then the next day, I made it six, and the next day, I made it fifteen, and then it was just from there, it doubled, and then. Physical therapy is amazing. The physical therapists do so much as far as like, you're this broken human body. We're going to teach you how to do your thing again. Um, yeah, that's how it was when I broke my wrist. The doctor, I, I kept going every, every week I'd go in there and my doctor's just like, because I could not handle not being able to use my hand and not feel my hand. Yeah. I would just push myself so hard. And my, my wife and my doctor were like, you need to mellow out, dude. You know, you're, you understand we want to get your hand back. And I'm like, no, I have to get. I have to get back to functionality again. I have to. It's it's so it's I so have to work. To not be able to function. Yeah. And for for me, like w- with my legs, because both of my legs weren't working um, initially, I would roll over and lay on my stomach after the catheter came out. Laying on your stomach with a catheter, <laughs> and not advised. <laughs> not advised. <laughs> but um, I had such so small uh, use of my legs that I would try to lift my lift my feet up laying down on my stomach and flex my legs back up towards me and initially I had nothing and I would look over my shoulder and I'd look at my leg and one day I was doing it and my right leg popped up and started to move and I was just flexing it up and down and it was like it was like doing a leg curl with a considerable amount of weight yeah that's what it felt like in the gym but really it was just my dead weight leg of shrunken muscle mass and um I got it moving and I didn't stop. And then I tried to do it with my left leg and I, I couldn't get my left leg to move. So, so how soon do you anticipate that you'll be back like out actually working again and, and all that kind of stuff? Do you have a game plan or goals in mind to where you want to I be would, by a certain time? I would love to, this all happened, started at the end of May. I'd love by the end of May to be walking like normal again. Um, I'd love to find a job uh, whenever I feel normal. Whenever I, whenever I'm walking, normal, you will never feel normal. <laughs> you, you as, will... as long as I, as long as I don't have to wear that leg brace. That leg brace, I wear it. I wear it out to go to the gym. I wear it anytime I actually need to go somewhere and walk. But like if I'm around my house, I just walk with the floppy leg and try to try to walk as normal as possible. And like through through using a leg that is unbraced, I feel like I'm gaining more strength by having to use it. But out in public, I can't walk like that. I've I've gone outside with a with a I have a pair of Doc Martens that I laced up super tight and uh, wrap my foot with an ace bandage to try to 
make it so that my ankle wouldn't move at all. It just flopped under the pressure of those boots. Um, I just hate wearing the ankle brace. It's, it's great as far as the support it gives me, but it causes my leg to bleed. <laughs> so I wear yeah. it and I, and I walk nice, but at the end of the day, the nice Velcro strap ends up covered in blood. And uh, I, I don't want to do that for <laughs> for forever. And I don't think I could be in the workplace walking around in pain. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So how's your family supporting you now and stuff? How do they feel? You know, it's um, emotionally, they're really supportive of me and that's what I need. I need the emotional support because of what I'm going through with the divorce and going through with what I've been through. And then, um, going back to what the nurses were saying about how I'll be an addict for forever. I, I worry that they think that I will be, but at the same point, yeah, but I don't think I, that's your burden. I think no. that's for them to worry about. That's not, I, I, I mean, know, they can say that all they want, but yeah, I, I think you've th- got enough piss and vinegar and anger inside of yeah. you to I be able to push that, you know? I'm, I'm nothing but determination at this point. Because um, I know what it's like to be told you're never going to succeed in anything and then to be able to go back years later or go back at some point and be like, screw you, this is where I'm at now. Yeah. I mean, it's a good feeling to be able to do that and that is what, I don't know, I mean – you sound you don't sound like the typical person who's going to be you're always going to be in recovery as Lobo will tell you yeah yeah you know, I've lived with addicts and stuff my mom had a lot of really hardcore serious yeah. drug problems it wasn't until right before she passed away that she got her act together but um you're always going to have that burden to bear but it's something that the the sensation begins to numb after a while I mean I don't yeah. know am I right Lobo I mean you're the one you, you've dealt with it differently me and Lobo are from we've rode the same train from different side of the tracks that's what we yeah me and him always I like mean, to say so I definitely appreciate that yeah. guys that you've gotten to see you've got to see it all well you, I've you understand I've, I've been understand the person the I was the person that wa- I would have been in your life I would have been the person that watched you fall apart you know. Yeah. I wasn't. I never got high or anything like that. I've never. I've never done anything like that. No, I really don't want to. I've got that. Yeah. That would, that pull inside <laughs> of me to keep me away from that because I can see what does happen. I mean, to be honest with you, and like I'm glad I didn't know you before this happened. I knew you, but I didn't know you real well. I probably wouldn't have liked talking to you. Whatever. It's the same thing no. with Lobo. If I knew Lobo a long time ago, I wouldn't have talked to him. I probably would not have liked him at all. I was the only one who talked to me. So. <laughs> <you're not alone. laughs> You know, but the people who can pull through this and pull out of it are the ones that I have a tremendous amount of respect for because it's not an easy thing. You don't have – it's not just the drug abuse. It's the depression and all these things that that you're battling. And yeah. It's an always it's an always thing there. When you know, the drug stops, life starts. I have yeah. friends that have seen me through everything mm-hmm. and they've gone on, on benders with me and they've seen me through the worst and they've seen me at my best and – um, they're just glad to see me alive. Well, when you got keep straight before, people. yeah, yeah, keep those people. When you were yeah. straight before, was it like this, or is this a totally different? This is totally different one that, than what that was. That was kind of that was a fake going through life acting kind of thing. That was like I need I need to do this because I was um dealing with some legal troubles. I'd been in a fight, and I it was because I was drunk, and um I moved home with my parents, and um. Uh, <laughs> did my thing and uh it was basically like i went back to college and so you just did that because you had to you didn't do it because you wanted to this time around you're doing it because you want to i really want to now and i'm i've seen i've seen it at its worth um you never appreciate how good things are until you see how bad they can be that's right 
Yeah, well, that's the goddamn truth. <laughs> you've also gone over and back, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. That well, gives you a, that really gives me a real appreciation for life that I'd never had before. Like at the time, at the time that the overdose happened, I didn't care if I lived or died, and I didn't care about it for a, a long time before that. Um, you asked about the prior drug use. Um, as as the marriage had been falling apart for a couple months, I had been using drugs for a couple months of that, and that entire time I kind of didn't really care if I lived or died. Mm-hmm. And it well, really wasn't it really wasn't until I woke up that I I say I woke up I really woke up, and coming out of that was a whole new person with a whole new perspective. You've been rewritten. That's why I was going to say. Do you feel as though you've been reborn? I hate to use the born again Christian analogy, but you know. I, yeah, I hate to use that analogy too, but yeah, but you know what? People have been, like, been being reborn way before they took the name. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, again, this is a whole shamanic experience. It goes like back what we were talking to when we had uh, Gabriel on the show. It's the transition of before, in between, and after. Yeah, you know, it's that it's it's that transformative process. I mean, you obviously know that you are a different person now. Um, Without a doubt, yeah. And that is something that's going to be really hard and difficult for you to explain to people who have never met you before, you know, that you're just getting to know now. You know, it's, 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 this is something that's yours that can't be taken away from you no matter what. You know, what you're going to hear is, you're, you're going to hear, and I know you're going to hear it, is I don't think you actually died. I think this is something that happened inside your brain or whatever. And that shouldn't matter to you. You know, that's... That's not there. That's not it's, your it's problem. <laughs> yeah, it's experience that I, it's experience that I had. That's the most important part. Um, all right, Tom. Well, I guess I hope, um, I hope I answered all the questions. And if not, no, it's what you know. How do you ask? How do you ask somebody a question for something that you have no relation to? You know, I I can't. It is the pizza. It's going back to the pizza. Yeah, I've never I've never had the pizza to ask you what it tastes like. I, you know, up until like, like I said earlier, up until this week, I had some things happen to me this week where now it's like, okay, I've had that pizza. Now I know what that pizza tastes like. Yes. So and it's, ma- and it's made of ma- math, <laughs> math and science, science and stuff. And stuff. <laughs> Someday we will explain that joke to our <laughs> listeners. Um, It'll be a good time when you do. Yeah. It will. Um, <laughs> but Tom, I, I really hope. Take your time having this pizza because it, it's well. That's part of why we do this show. Yeah. Enjoy while you're here and everyone out there. Um, I, I hope everyone takes takes some time to be nice to someone in their life. Just a random person. doesn't have to be anyone you know. Just extend some kindness to people out there in the world because that's what really matters. Well, what about somebody that's going through hard times or something? Do you have any message for them or whatever? I, I know people that are going through hard times and it, it gets better. It has to get worse before it can get better. And that, that sucks. That's horrible. Um, embrace the change? Yeah, embrace the change. Go with it. Because it it gets better. It really does. You have your horrible moments, but it's all temporary. And going back to that, the vision of space expanding and contracting, nothing's permanent. Like, wait, the horrible moment you're experiencing now, it's not forever. It'll It'll pass. You know, I have a friend... I don't think they listen to the show, but it's an old friend of mine, somebody that I used to know a long time ago, and they've just recently gone through a divorce. They're, they're, they've just gone through one, and the advice that I gave them is um, rebuild, go, go somewhere, yeah. go do something different, go out and completely change because we're only here for a certain finite period of time. We don't know if we come back or whatever. 
So every time somebody comes to me with this or comes to me with that kind of a situation, I'm like, go and recreate yourself. And, yeah, exactly. And don't be afraid to do that because it's all you have. You know, don't don't be afraid to go out and change and do something different or just do whatever you can to get out of where you're at and go become something different because um, it can't hurt. You know, it's uh, I think that's the most rebuilding thing that a person can do. You know, if you've gone through some kind of a traumatic experience in your life or just any experience in your life is to go out and recreate yourself. It's not so much running away from those problems, but you can't dwell on them. Yeah. You can't uh, grab your hammer and your chisel and start over. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's uh I think that's one of the coolest things to be able to do. I mean, I I don't I mean, I can't I, your your experience is incredible. I mean, I it's it's one of those things like everybody who has their your experience was different than Lobo's experience was and Lobo's experience was different than other people's that I've read. The only thing that's different between you and Lobo is you came out of it in my opinion, with a firm grasp of, okay, this is what I need to do. Whereas Lobo, I asked him a year ago. No clue. I got nothing. Yeah, you still, still got nothing out of it. I don't know. Maybe you appreciate your wife and your yeah. kids and the life you have more, but I'm, I'm sure you. I'm sure you appreciate the life that you have more than you did before because going going through that, going through the, the layers of hell you saw, being alive is a lot better than that. You know. I'm assuming. Right? <laughs> I hope it is. Yeah, you're a tenacious <laughs> bastard. You don't know how to die. <laughs> there, there's probably a portion of that, too. <laughs> All right, Tom. We're going to... Part of what's gonna... funny, I play, I play a Death Knight in the World of Warcraft. All my WoW friends say you're a Death Knight in real life now. <laughs> See? There you go. <laughs> my friends say back, I'm an asshole in real life, so... Back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stop recording here and let you go. Thank you very much for coming on here and telling your story. Um, thank you very much. And thanks everyone for listening. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys. So. Oh, no problem. Thanks brother. I love you. Yeah, I love you guys. Don't stop. Don't stop doing what you're doing, man. Cause no. I mean, I think you're a good person now and I'm glad to have you here. I'm glad to know thanks. you now. I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't know you before. <laughs> Not the only way you really knew me before were posts online, and but I never drunk. I don't think I ever drunk dialed you individually. I drunk dialed Lobo a couple no, times. No, but I remember seeing your posts and stuff. And I was good, like, we had some good conversations, yeah. though. We're I know you, Yeah, we had some good good times. I know yeah, you absolutely. don't like. Twi- I know you don't like Twitter too much, uh, but the the things I posted on Twitter before, <laughs> and then like looking back on looking back on it, I'm like, wow. I, so I started a whole new Twitter account. <laughs> That person I, is dead now. Yeah, that person's dead. I'm now <laughs> that at died. I'm now I'm now at Bear Score. <laughs> so I post more positive things and pictures of bears and World of Warcraft related. See, I took a page out of out of uh, Meta World Peace. He made no sense, so I don't make any sense either. On Twitter, whatever. <laughs> don't lick doorknobs. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> bad for your health. Absolutely. Oh. All right, guys. All right. Peace, Tom. Peace. 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 Now for our second attempt at trying to record the closing of the show. (sighs) That will all be explained in due time. (coughs) That makes absolutely nothing to do since with this show.
But uh, yeah, this is our second time recording the closing. I had a power outage when I was editing the show down, and it clipped out our closing before, so it kind of threw everything off. But yeah, that was um, that was Tom's wonderful adventures in the afterlife. Um, after I've gone back and edited the show, because it's been about a week since we recorded that show now, and I've gone back and edited it and stuff a lot, um, his his experience is one of the weirdest ones I think I've heard so far. Really? I don't think I think what happened is in layman's terms, I think he like. I think he kicked the bucket. He got to the door to get into the place, and they carted him and said, "No, nope, you got to go wait over there or something." The bucket and had to show his card. Yeah, they got he got the entrance, and they said, "Let me hold on." Let me. Nope, he doesn't you. talk about a god or anything, though. Well, no, it's not. It's no description. I of, know you it's know, baby Jesus or anything. Well, yours didn't happen that way either, though. Nope. So I mean, well, you had kind of some kind of godlike experience of some sort. So I don't know. Um... But anyways, let's just move this along and get it going here so we can wrap this thing up. Uh, I got to thank uh, Mary or whatever incarnation she's going to use as a name for donating to the show. I really appreciate that. We really appreciate that. Everybody out there really appreciates that because that's what keeps the show up and running. Um, what it was else? just pure hate and anger that kept it going. <laughs> no, it's late night fueled caffeine that keeps the show up and running. Um, this will be our last original content for the year, regular show wise. I was going to say normal show, but we don't ever do a normal show. No. I've got the outtakes show coming up and I've got all the anomalous episodes that I've dug up. I'm going to throw them up there. So the next couple of shows are just going to be whatever, you know, bonus content, call it what you will, what have you kind of thing. And then, uh, Besh got a hold of me for Uh coming on for next year. Actually, he's given us permission to call him Besh. Besh is, what's that? Cool. Oh, okay. I don't even. We can never pronounce his name properly, but we have another. No, 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 no. no. It's not we. It's you. You can't pronounce it it either. I know he's hearing this and laughing right now. (laughs) Uh, And I've been trying to get this guy on for a while, but the problem is, is he's like overseas, so his schedule is different than ours because of the time changes. I wish time were the same everywhere in the world. Don't, 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 don't. If we could like fold time for purposes of recording Skype phone calls, that would be fantastic. Glad we live in the realm of reality. Yeah. Um. That's debatable with us. Yeah, very. Um, so yeah, I've you know I've I've I'm, I'm working on shows for next year and things like that are already in the pipe going down. It's just a matter of booking them up. Um, I'm really glad we had Bad Hammer on here for this show though, because mm-hmm. he's family, he's close, and that is one hell of a story. Sure it is. And I know a lot of people are going to get something out of that. Mm-hmm. So we've had a, a call for a, a reissuance of the Wendigo episode. Yeah, but that's still out there to be able to go download again. It's what I said. Back <laughs> up in the link again. Well, <laughs> like a lot of people there. want you to record stuff. So, uh, I know, I, I know. I get quite I, a lot of people that actually want you to record solo stuff. Yeah, other than just hearing me yammering all the time. Yeah. So well, I don't really have a whole lot of time. I have three children that have all kinds of crap going on at night. The obvious and simple answer is to say, "Hey, I'm going to record a show myself this week," and then I just show up like I did last time and press the record button, and well, you do what you got to do. That's what's going to have to happen because I've I've attempted a couple of times to start recording a show. And hold on, Adeline Claire, what is it that you need from me? How did you get marker on your face? What? Go away. <laughs> I don't. Eat, I I have nothing. I, I have nothing. Case in point. <laughs> my God. Uh, That's my life, folks. I have to, I've just been, I've just been handed, I've just been handed in. a note from my middle child who has marker on her face now. And the note says, 
Give me I'm sure this is, I'm I'm sure this is riveting. Yeah, yeah. I, I expect to have money or else the guinea pig gets it. <laughs> ho, ho, no. And there's five little stars. I, no, I don't even know what that means. I don't. My, my life is encrypted. My life is a Dan Brown novel. All right. Well, let's wrap this up and get out of here. And we'll see everybody next year with fresh new stuff. And uh, I guess that's it. Have happy holidays and all that fun stuff. Get lots of presents. And, you know, if you're going to go out and party, don't get yourself into too much trouble. And uh, Tom, thank you very much for coming on the show. It was really brave of you to come on and tell your story. I really appreciate it. And uh, I put a lot of time in putting this show together because I felt that it was important. And I wanted to make sure that it sounded the way it was supposed to sound. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted it. I wanted it to be important. So... Thank you very much for coming on here, man. We appreciate it. Love you, man. All right, folks. This is Rojan. Peace out. From? I'm not going into that. Detroit. That'll work. Area, kind of-ish. Yeah, that'll work. This is Lobo from Connecticut. Living the dream, baby. Living the dream. Peace out, folks. Have a good new year. Thank you.
kids here remember that oh i didn't say it was gonna you be send like, me another alien fifth area 51 sextile again i didn't send that that was supposed to come to my house <laughs> oh well uh i'm still pissed about that <laughs> double entendre right there i can there mail it to you <laughs> what size would you be in spandex what <laughs> never mind they don't there's not enough elastic on the planet oh my